In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt, and this is Ideal Remake. Today, Sam and I are here with Zach Luna, a professional Spider-Man, and the best cold reader I've ever met in my life. Oh, thank you, Mike. That's that's very kind of you. Yeah, I uh, I also was a group of the um, uh, writer, writers group that Sam uh, set up uh, because I was his roommate for quite a long while. And uh, so when we needed uh, actors and people to hop in and read scripts in the writers group that he and Mike were part of, I was happy to jump in. And that's how we all became friends, which is great. Hooray, we're friends. <laughs> Yay. We're talking Princess Bride because I had heard that they were going to reboot it. And what I found out is that they've been toying with the idea of rebooting the Princess Bride for quite some time. I feel like it's one of those movies that as soon as I hear that, everyone I know is going to go, no. Right. Because Princess Bride, I think Princess Bride is one of those like sacred cow should not be touched movies. Back to why we're doing this. And I was like, well, if they are doing a remake, we should talk about what the ideal version of that is. Zach's the perfect person. He loves this movie. It's one of his favorite movies of all time. <laughs> we're probably going to end up talking about a lot of these movies. But what movies do you guys have that are like the movies that should never be remade? Jaws. Jaws? Yeah. Yeah. Jaws, for sure. Uh, Jurassic Park. That's one yeah. of my big ones. Um, Even though both of those movies have a considerable number of sequels? Yeah, but sequels are different than remakes. Yeah. I don't even like that they're making sequels. <laughs> Star Wars, I don't think – I'm fine with making new Star Wars movies, but I, I hope they never remake the original trilogy. The idea of it is, just seems like um, – what's the word? Offensive? Like the idea of somebody being like, uh, oh, hey, let's uh, let's get a new Luke and a new Leia and just like, you know, we'll do Star Wars again. Um, that's how I f- – Let's just pave over this whole thing and turn it into a parking lot. That's how I feel about that like uh, Amazon's making a Lord of the Rings TV show and they were kind of playing coy for a while with like, well, is it going to be a spinoff? Is it going to be a prequel? Is it going to be Silmarillion? Like what is it going to be? And they're kind of just like, oh, we might just make Star Wars as a TV – I mean not Star Wars, make uh, Lord of the Rings as a TV show. And um, that to me seems like the dumbest thing in the world because if you're doing that, you're going to have to recast Aragorn at some point. And I don't know – what kind of human being you think you are as a casting director if you're like, oh yeah, we'll just do better than Vigo. We'll just do better. I would say Princess Bride is one of those movies too for me that I, I do agree. Like Totally. I mean, as, as Sam alluded to earlier, this is uh, my literal, this is my favorite movie. Like of all all movies there are, if I could only like take one to like a, you know, desert island with a Blu-ray player, uh, it would it would be The Princess Bride. It's as close to a perfect movie as as I've found. Um, not Not to say I don't think there's little ways it could be improved upon. You know, there's some... Uh, little things here and there, which I think we'll talk about in the actual remake discussion, um, just in terms of, like, character agency or, like, you know, maybe have an actual Spaniard play a Spaniard. Um, but for the most <laughs> part, it is – it's it's so well-crafted and it's um, so smartly made and it is, like, lightning hitting um, that the right people were available uh, to make it at that right time and, you know – Bill Goldman went through so many, you know, back and forth of trying to get it made into a movie to the point where he – after a couple of them fell apart and he had sold the right, the movie rights, he on his own because he's Bill Goldman and he, you know, could screenwrite great things and, you know, had money of his own. He <laughs> saved up enough money to buy back the film rights of his own book um, after the first few times that didn't work out. Like he was that protective of the um, material that um, and it wasn't until Rob Reiner came around and it was like one of his favorite books and that it was just at the right time right after he had done um, – uh, Spinal Tap and uh, 
uh, and some like really earnest uh like love stories that it was the right time for the director the the author was willing to like take a chance on the material again and they assembled a near perfect cast um who else but Andre the Giant can play Physic? Physic yeah, honestly. Did, yeah. Did, have you have either of you guys read the Carrie Elway's book about yes. the making? Yeah, I listened to the audio version of it that has a lot of the original Ooh. cast um, <sighs> reciting, you know, what they wrote for. Yeah, that. and it is an amazing book. It is so. It's mm-hmm. such a deep dive, and it it feels like an eight hour. Uh, Blu-ray extra. It is so yeah. good. Yeah, it's like going back in time. I I've only have the um the hardcover like uh, physical book version, which I read a couple times. But yeah, I would love to hear that as an audiobook. Um, it's it's like yeah. If you're ever wondering like what is the experience of like making a you know fan favorite movie that it was a special thing that lightning in a bottle. Um, that even as you were making it, you weren't sure if it was going to work or not. Like that that book is a beautiful um insight into that headspace and that, that time and that like electric feeling of all that. It's great. Um, yeah, highly recommend it. Well, this is the time <laughs> that we normally break down the plot of the movie. I assume everyone has seen it. If not, pause the <laughs> podcast right now and go watch the princess bride. <laughs> We're still going to break down the movie, but yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen the princess bride yet, you are doing yourself a horrible oh. <laughs> disservice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, for all of the episodes of this podcast that we've done in the cup, in the days leading up to, us recording the podcast, I've rewatched the movie, but I know, and I would have done the same with this if I'd had time, but I know this movie so well, because it's so good. Zach, you're a big cosplay guy. Have you ever done cosplay for any of the characters <laughs> in The Princess Bride? Oh, I for sure have, uh, which I think you already know about. Um, yeah, I, uh, before I, I moved to LA, I didn't really, um, go to comic book conventions and things like that, but I did go a lot to the Renaissance Festival. Um, I am, you know, died in the wool old school nerd about, you know, swords and sorcery and all that type of stuff. And um, off and on for years, I worked on building a uh, Dread Pirate Roberts costume from Princess Bride. Nice. And I eventually got to the point, because it's a very simple costume, you know, there's only about five major elements to it, you know, and it's all black pieces, you know, mask, scarf, shirt, pants, boots. Um, I got to the point where I'd completed it, and then I spent about five years slowly upgrading each piece. So like, one year, my goal at the Renaissance Festival would be to like find a uh, a good person to talk to about getting a new belt made, and the next the next year I'd save up money and I could talk to somebody about making a new mask, and the next year after that I get a new shirt. So after you know five years on and off of saving up money and changing things out, I created what I think is like the the best possible version of the the Dread Pirate Roberts outfit to do the degree where I'm not even doing the movie version of the Dread Pirate Roberts anymore. In my mind, I'm trying to do the original Dread Pirate Roberts, the first one, not. Uh, Cumberbund and not uh, Brian and not Wesley and not Inigo, but the original one who retired like a king in Patagonia, that <laughs> one, who was most most likely based on Bartholomew Roberts, who was um, one of the like most successful pirates in the golden age of piracy. Um, they called him Black Bart because he sometimes wore all black. Um, so that one, that's the one I went for. Uh, I even, <laughs> I got the official like licensed replica sword that they uh, made for this film, the the sword of the Dread Pirate Roberts, you know, manufactured in part with, by Windless Steelcraft. Buy it today. And I got it, and, yeah, and I had it for a little while, and I realized it was nice, but it didn't feel right in my hand, and it was more important to me that I had a, a sword that felt like the way the movie made me feel than one that looked like the prop in the movie. So I actually have a much fancier sword than the one that Wesley has in the movie. It's kind of like halfway between... Um, the Inigo sword and um, Wesley's sword in the film, you know, the, the famous six finger sword that, that Inigo has. So what I ended up having 
with my whole kit and costume where I have, you know, a custom-made satin uh, uh, belt and I have a, a whole elaborate um, custom-made boots um, from the people who made all the boots from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, a, a handcrafted mask uh, and uh, sword gloves and everything, I have as a sword... Uh, <laughs> A rapier made by Arms and Armor, uh, which is a company that supplies all of the rapiers for the Shakespeare's Globe in London. And uh, the hilt of it was cast off an authentic German rapier from the 16th century. Uh, so the sword that I have was actually used by Clive Owen in the movie Elizabeth the Golden Age. Wait, what movie? What is this movie I've never heard of? You've never Elizabeth heard of Elizabeth Go- the Golden Age? I have yeah. not. It's a sequel to Elizabeth with, uh, you know, Hella from Thor Ragnarok, where uh, Kate Blanchett got her first uh, Oscar nominations. You know, about Queen Elizabeth. But yeah, at any rate, uh, if that long spiel I went on about all the pieces of my costume or any indication, I really love this movie. Cool. Uh, And I think I ended up spending about $1,500 over the course of six years or so building that costume. So yeah, it it meant a lot to me. Over Um, the course of six years, that's not too bad. I I think you did it. No, it's not too crazy. It's just crazy when you like sit back and tally it all up. Yeah, uh, of course. Well, well, I'm familiar with this costume because A, I've seen you wearing it, but I was with you when you wore it Mm -hmm. to the the Egyptian theater for, what was it, the 25th anniversary? 25th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was so thrilled you were there. Because uh, originally there was supposed to be cast members there uh like wallace sean and carrie Elwes were supposed to be there at this uh 25th anniversary screening but their um managers screwed up their scheduling because there were so many events that week they were doing for the anniversary that they were stuck in new york and couldn't make it out to la for that actual event and um like we were kind of bummed at the time but like sam was there and this happened people were still really excited that i was dressed up as the drip pirate robert so like when i went i went to the bathroom and like came back to our seats and i walked in front of the theater like near where the screen was and somebody, like, yelled out from the audience, it's the Dread Pirate Roberts! And I kind of, like, yelled back, admitted with pride, what can I do for you? And people, like, cheered, because it was, like, a whole, you know, the Egyptian theater is a huge um, old cinema in L.A., um, like, from the 1920s, and it was just this enormous room just full of Princess Bride fans, so excited to see this movie. And then we got to sit and watch it on 35mm film, and it was great. It was, so it was pretty amazing. The, the e- evening was still excellent, regardless of the, <laughs> the lack of the actual stars. Right. We, um, we have a theater here... Um, that is kind of like the Egyptian. Um, it's the Redford Theater. It's the theater mm. from the movie It Follows. And, oh my God, uh, no way! I went and saw um, Labyrinth there, and my friend Laurel dressed up as the Goblin King. And it was the same sort of thing where her costume was so amazing that yeah. she was a celebrity for that night. And it was so cool that I'm just walking through the lobby, and you know, the Goblin King is like, Hey, Mikey! And, uh, you know, and I was just like, yeah, the Goblin King knows me. And Labyrinth is yeah. another one of those movies that should not be remade. Let's break into uh, let's break down the movie. Yeah, let's break yeah. down Princess Bride. All right. So I want you guys to tell me the plot of this movie like I'm eight. Was he eight? Oh, oh, okay. Well, since uh, I'm old enough to be everything. both of your grandparents, um, <laughs> wait, both of your that's I'm not happy with that sentence at all. Since I'm old <laughs> enough to be both of your grandfather, I still don't like the way that's. <laughs> I'm uh, grandpa age. Um, I'll call you grandma you both anytime, uh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, Good. All right. Well, sit down there, Sam and Zach. Ah, <laughs> oh, grandpa. I. Is this another one of your boring books? Is this a kissing book? Is this a kissing <laughs> podcast? 
Do you know what I really love about this? I don't know if you guys have the anniversary version on uh, Blu-ray or not, but at the end, <laughs> does uh, it turns out the anniversary edition of the- it. <laughs> there is a deleted scene at the end where it turns out that the grandpa is actually Peter Falk playing Columbo, and he says one more thing, and he arrests Fred Savage for a murder. <laughs> what? Fred Savage and, thought he was going to get away with it, but he got too cocky, and he and, let and he let loose. Yeah. Just one more. Sam, everyone over forty five listening to this love that reference. It's a I'm great reference. So happy for Excellent. them. <laughs> I was uh, I was doing a comedy show the other night, and like. I don't know how it came up, but like something in the comedy show was like, ah, 15 year old version, this 15 year old version, like version that. And I was like, and I made a hocus pocus reference and no one laughed. And I was a little bit <gasps> sad because I was like, come on, you guys, that's a good reference. And they laughed at my desperation, but that wasn't the same. I don't know. I think references sometimes depend on the, uh, on the audience. And the shared um, context. I would have <laughs> cheered for that Hocus Pocus reference. Um, well, is, is it, I don't know if anybody else is going to do it, but you just have to say, anytime you're about to describe the plot of The Princess Bride, are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, swordplay, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this. Uh, All right. So yes. Fred Savage is sick, and uh, his grandpa comes to read him a story, the story of The Princess Bride. And basically, it starts as a love story between Wesley and Buttercup. Basically, they slowly fall in love because Wesley worked on Buttercup's farm. And uh, she realized that he was in love with her because every time she asked him to do something, he said... As you wish. Very good. Yeah. What he meant was, I love you. Oh, Grandpa. So, Wesley is lost at sea. His ship is uh, taken out by the Dread Pirate Roberts. And as everyone knows, he never leaves survivors. And so, Buttercup's real sad about it. Then, Zach, then what happens? Uh, for days, she neither slept nor ate. And then uh, on the country's 500th anniversary, uh, you know, Prince Humperty guys, the, the right to choose his bride, and he decides that he wants to marry Buttercup. But she didn't love him, and it's sad. Uh, so we then find out, uh, after she's sad about this state of affairs, she goes on uh, a ride in the woods and gets kidnapped by a, a band of miscreants, uh, three people, um, Vizzini, Fezzik and Inigo Montoya. Uh, Fezzik is a giant. Uh, Vizzini is a master planner, a Sicilian man who's the leader of the group, and Inigo Montoya is uh, the greatest swordsman in the world. Uh, they kidnap her. And then they're uh, pursued by the Dread Pirate Roberts. Who, who it turns um, out to be the Dread Pirate Roberts. They just see a ship in the distance yeah. at first. And then they climb up a cliff, and Inigo has a sword fight with him, and it turns out that neither of them were uh, right-handed? Left-handed. Or left-handed. Correct. Left-handed. Neither of them were left-handed. Yeah. yeah, neither of them were left-handed. But <laughs> uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts, better sword fighter, but does not kill Inigo. Just bonks him on the head. I was, what is the phrase, Zach? Uh, I would as soon destroy a stained glass window as not as like yourself. However, since I can't have you following me, the conk. And he hits him on the head. There it is. Oh, God. I'm, we got to be careful or I will just start doing the whole movie. <laughs> right, I love it that you can do it. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> So then uh, they, uh, Red Pirate Roberts chases after him a little bit more. Uh, Fezzik starts throwing uh, giant rocks at him. They agree to uh, duel each other as God intended, uh, sportsmanlike, no tricks and no weapons. And so they have a wrestling match between the giant and the man in black. And the man in black wins. Yeah. And then it's a battle of wits between uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts and Fizzini. And so yeah. the battle of wits is basically which goblet did the Dread Pirate Roberts put Iocane powder, uh, a tasteless, scentless poison in? 
And Fazzini is like racking his brain. How did he do? How did he do? And then he he tells the Dread Pirate Rats, look away. He switches the glasses. Then he drinks the glass in front of them. They both drink. Fazzini dies. Turns out there was poison in both glasses because Dread Pirate Roberts developed, spent years developing an immunity to Iocane powder. Which is really inconceivable <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> of all of the things, that is the most inconceivable. <laughs> it's so good. Um, they So then the Dread Pirate Roberts has Wesley as his own prisoner. They run for a bit. They have uh, um Dread Pirate Roberts has uh, Buttercup as his own. Yeah, it's Buttercup. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, it's Buttercup as his, uh, as his prisoner. They uh, run for a little while longer. They have a uh, an argument. And it is revealed that the Dread Pirate Roberts has been Wesley all along. The lovers are reunited. Um, that, uh, when they pre- have their yeah. argument, it, it's one of the moments that I really like when he goes to sit down. It was after oh. um, Carrie always broke a toe while riding a <laughs> um, like a three-wheeler that Andre the Giant brought to set. <laughs> and um, so like he like it's the most awkward sitting. <laughs> Like, once you know that it's there, you're like, oh, yep, that's the day that he had to shoot. You're like, oh, yeah, he's putting no weight on that foot. Yeah. But he's he, like, kind of makes it look elegant. It's, like, it's a weird way of sitting down, but, like, the first time you watch, you're like, I guess he's just cool. I don't know why he's right. doing that. Exactly. <laughs> Um, they're pursued by Prince Humperdinck and all of his hunters and whatnot, the greatest hunter in the land, Prince Humperdinck. And so uh, Wesley and uh, Buttercup go into the fires. But it turns out that the reason the prince is hunting them is because he hired... Uh, the three evil guys are the, the Fazzini, Fezzik, and Inigo Montoya because he he wanted them to kill Buttercup on the border between their country and Serta in a, in hopes of instigating a war between his country and Serta because wars are profitable or something. Gilder. In the, in the movie, it's Gilder, but yeah. Gilder. <laughs> and, uh, and so he still wants Kanda to do that. And so... But they escape into the fire swamp to foil the prince's dastardly plan of killing his fiance and sparking a war. And in the fire swamp, they only have to be—they only have to be wary of three things: uh, the lightning sand, the flame spurts, and uh, ROUSs, which are rodents of rodents of unusual size. They face all three of those terrors in the swamp, come out the other side uh, safe and sound, and are uh, captured uh, at the other end immediately. Um, the deal that Buttercup strikes with um, with Humperdinck is uh, that if they promise not to hurt Wesley, that she will. Um, acquiesce and go with them and marry prince humperdinck of course because humperdinck is a dick uh he fully intends to kill wesley anyway and uh wesley knows this um his chief torturer person is uh count rugen uh a maniacal uh weirdo kind of a dr frankenstein type guy uh who earlier in life uh murdered inigo montoya's father which uh wesley recognizes before he's knocked unconscious so, uh, and uh, the, like, back half of the film is uh, everybody's in dire straits. Um, Wesley is captured underground in the torture chamber of Count Rugen. Uh, Buttercup is uh, locked in the castle upstairs, and she's going to be married off to Prince Humperdinck. However, our uh, previously intrepid uh, no-good uh, no good folks, uh, Fezzik and, and Inigo Montoya, who were not killed by the man in black when he could have killed them, um, join, join together again? Yeah, they find each other. Yeah, well, they, they learn of the existence of Count Rugen, the six-fingered man. Inigo knows he can get um, revenge and uh, avenge his father's death and realizes the only man that can help them plan this assault that he has planned is the man in black who was able to best the greatest swords, swordsman in the world and uh, out-wrestle the biggest giant in the world. So they try to break Wesley out and go from there. But it turns out that Wesley is mostly dead. So they take him to uh, to Miracle Max. Played by the incredible Billy Crystal. Uh, and... 
uh, yeah, Miracle Max is like a, uh, a sort of a wizard that used to be in the uh, employment of the king, uh, but uh, Prince Humperdinck fired him and had him disgraced. Uh, they aren't immediately able to get his help, but once they realize that if their plan goes correctly, this is Buttercup's true love that they have there, they're trying to resurrect, that Humperdinck's wedding will be destroyed and he'll be, you know, uh, humiliated. And that, that gets Max on board. He creates a magical chocolate, bil- chocolate pill that brings Wesley back to life, except it takes a while, so he... Uh, can't use any of his limbs originally. So he can be their master planner, but he can't uh, physically assist in anything, and they have to plan an assault on the castle. They attack the castle where uh, the prince has accelerated the timetable on the wedding. They're getting married tonight. Our three intrepid heroes bust it into the castle at the exact moment, uh, right before Buttercup actually says the word I do. And so they, they break into the castle, and they're tracking down, and Wesley, who's still mostly dead... And really isn't able to move, but he's always uh, he's he's always been a fast healer. Goes after the prince <laughs> with uh, the help of Fezzik, Andre the Giant, and Inigo Montoya goes after the six fingered man, where they ha- where he says his iconic line. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he says that line a lot. He does say it a lot because it's his mantra and it gives him a hope when all hope seems lost. He initially seems to lose the fight against Count Rugen and then rallies back and uh, kills him and uh, avenges his father's death. There's it's a movie quite- called Over the Top. <laughs> it's an arm wrestling movie with Sylvester Stallone. And when he gets ready to <laughs> win, like when it looks like all is lost, Sylvester Stallone will turn his hat around backwards, his trucker cap. And, oh. um, and that's what makes him win. So that's sort of like... Sylvester Stallone's Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Because <laughs> every time Inigo Montoya gets, you know, cut, he just says his line again, and then it's sort of like, you know, he does the Hulk Hogan kind of thing where he, <laughs> yeah. it's really cool. Like I'm making fun of it, but it's great. It's an amazing narrative device and it's absolutely thrilling every time in context. I kind of get like a tear in my eye when he finally beats the six fingered man. Um so having completed his arc, they go to find uh, Wesley only to find that he's missing. Uh, Buttercup has decided to uh, commit suicide because of um, she's married to a man that she hates uh, and is stopped because Wesley has made his way into her bedchamber and they have a, you know, tearful reunion. He still can't move uh, at that point in time and uh, realized that she wasn't legally married to uh, Humperdinck because of that, uh, you know, loophole about uh, not actually saying I do. Humperdinck appears and it seems like we're going to have our final sword fight of the film between him and, and Wesley but instead, Wesley disarms him with his words. Um, in a supremely badass way. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Uh, there's no way we can do justice in short time. Uh, it suffice to say that uh, Wesley duels him to the pain, uh, meaning he just absolutely humili- humiliates um, Humperdinck with his words. Yep, he says, uh, Chris Sarandon, you will never be as good as you were in Dog Day Afternoon. No! I made Fright Night too. <laughs> <laughs> Humperdinck is revealed to be a coward. He's tied up and all of the heroes reunite. Fezzik finds uh, some horses for them to escape on. And uh, Wesley decides to pass on um, the title of Dread Pirate Roberts to Inigo Montoya. And they all sail into the distance. And we return to the story of the uh, the grandfather reading to his son. His grandson. His grandson. Yeah. And he was finally okay with the kissing bits. Uh, yep. And so the film ends with the best kiss that it was ever kissed. We see that last page between um, Wesley and Buttercup. And then, who's going to bring it home? That's the end of the movie. No, the end, the end of the movie is that as the, the grandfather's leaving, the son says, and the son, uh, the can grandson, you come back and read me the story tomorrow? And the grandfather says, as you wish. Oh, there it is. I want Zach to say, as you wish, as Peter Paul. <laughs> as you wish. It's pre- yeah, it's, oh, it's God, it's so yeah. good, Zach. Greetings, true believers. <laughs> He's not Stan Lee. 
Yeah, they, I think my pa- Peter Falk is like half Stanley and like half my uncle, so it all it all oh, shakes out. At the end. I think um, your Peter Falk sounds great. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I think Sam Stan Lee sounds like Stan Lee and Gilbert Gottfried had a child. <laughs> Call Affleck is what I'm saying. Affleck, the only insurance a, a parent like me would trust. Uh, so that's the general overview of the story of the Princess Bride, which is mostly unique in, because of the um, the framing device that's there of the of the grandfather and the grandson commenting on the story as they go. The actual story itself being both a uh, satire of uh, traditional fantasy uh, Arthurian romance uh, tropes, but also a uh, you know earnest version of them. Uh, whereas in the book, it's a sort of um, a narrative uh, framing device with uh, an author who hates all the boring parts of books, cutting those out and having you know editor editorial things in the margin. In the movie, it, the medium is about storytelling verbally in general. Um, and so it's a movie that is fun as like a fun adventure romp with sword fights, and it's also a beautiful text on why we share stories with the people we love and how stories help us feel better uh, in times of great strife. It's beautiful, and I love it. <laughs> All right, now let's turn it into a giant cash cow and remake this. Hell yeah! Let's, <laughs> let's make, make some billions! Uh, <laughs> so where do, you wanna, where do you guys want to start with this? Do you want to start with, like, writer-director, or do you want to start with a cast? Two, I want to start in two different things. I, I wanna, before we do writer-director, um, I think we need to talk about okay. the way the movie's going to be. Because my pitch for the way this uh-huh. remake would be is it's part remake, but also kind of part sequel. Oh, wait a second. I call foul. Sam, you have never let me do a sequel before. I haven't. Yeah, what's the name of this podcast, I haven't, Sam? But this is a rare exception because basically what this story is, is it's the reading of a book. And I feel like the way that you're going to make this movie again is someone has to read that book. And the only way that it makes sense and the best way for it to be someone reading the book is if it's Fred Savage reading the book to his daughter. Ooh. Um. Yeah. I'm. 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 I'm halfway on board with that. Um. Here's the thing. Ramping up to this, uh, when I was trying to figure out what a, a, a remake of The Princess Bride that I would actually see would be, I was thinking about how the the way it's structured is so important. The the narrative itself is so so keenly made for the one thing that it is that. I, I don't think I could come up... I'm not as smart as Bill Goldman, so I don't think I could come up with a, a change to the internal structure that would help or a meta narrative that would help. But the thing that would be revolutionary that I would like to see was I would like to see this type of story uh, for people that are not uh, just, you know, white, straight people. Great. So my yeah. idea of... Yeah. My idea of a Princess Bride remake started out as me saying, like, you know, I think it would be really cool if Inigo Montoya was a woman, and then me trying to figure out ways that would work and then saying, well, it'd it'd always be cool if this character was a woman to the point where now my version of the Princess Bride remake I would want to see is literally just everybody's a woman, uh, the Princess Bride and directed by Patty Jenkins. That's what I would want to see. (laughs) That's bold. So every every single cast member I have, I only have women for it. I'm very excited to sort of like argue these. <laughs> I don't know how I would feel about an exclusively female cast, but I'm certainly not opposed to the idea. Do you want it? Does that mean that you want to kind of like eliminate the the concept of a parental figure reading to a child figure? Like, are you? Oh, God, no, of course not. I mean, I want the grandmother played by Carol Kane, who played, uh, you know, Valerie in this movie, to be speaking to her uh, grandchild, who is a uh, a young black girl, probably like, I don't know, Storm Reed from Wrinkle in Time. And her mom would probably be Guga Mabatha Ra. And they are uh, doing the same sort of process with this is a special book. 
I heard you wanted a story where people like you were more in it. So uh, this is the story I brought to share to you when you were feeling down. And so the version of the story that the grandmother shares with her granddaughter is a world only of powerful women uh, interacting with other powerful women, um, which I think would be pretty swell. <laughs> and I think Patty Jenkins would be good to do it because uh, she did Monster and, of course, Wonder Woman this year. So your Wesley in this is Gal Gadot? Gadot. No, my Wesley in this is Zoe Kravitz uh, oh. because you have to have like a, a fairly young, not superstar person yet. So like, I can literally like run through the list right now. Like I would want like Buttercup to be played by somebody like. Ashley We're gonna go Curry. one at a time. One at a time. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. All right. So okay. yeah, Wesley. Let's let's start. Okay. I let let's back up a little bit. I like yeah. the idea. <laughs> I like the idea of Patty Jenkins being the director. I'm not necessarily 100 percent on board with it being exclusively female. Um. I yeah. I also have, I, I do think it needs to have more diversity. One hundred. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um. I also have gender. Uh, yeah. I, I think our Sicilian should be Italian. I think our uh our Spaniard should be Spanish at the very least. And I think we should have more people in co- of color right. in general. Uh, it was kind of like my my big big main goalposts to hit on this one. <laughs> I, I agreed with that. I again, I've gender flipped a few of my characters too, and I think we just got to go character by character and just see how we feel about each one. Um, let's end, okay. let's end on, uh, grandparent, grandchild. Uh, well, before okay. we do, th- before we end on grandparent, grandchild, I was thinking for the grandpa, keeping in line with what Zach was saying, Morgan Freeman, because oh. who can narrate a story better these days than Morgan Freeman? Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. True. Yeah. I'm not necessarily yeah. opposed to that. I want him to be my grandpa. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That does work. And Miles that Brown is as the grandchild, the youngest son from Blackish. Yeah, I mean, there are no fantasy stories for people of color. And, you know, I, I think if we did that and then had a Wesley of color, maybe, or mm-hmm. any of the leads, you know, being a person of color, I think could be really cool. And and then not comment on it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I agree also with Zach that um, you can't touch a William Goldman script. I, if we remake <laughs> this, I almost feel like we should kind of do it like the Psycho remake and just have it be from the original text and just remake it. I, I agree with that for the story part, but not necessarily for the for the grandparent child. I feel like that's going to be completely different. But the story should remain the same. So you're saying because like William Goldman himself changed the framing device in translating it from the uh, novel form to the um, first film that that's fair game to change for any new adaptation that the outward framing device should be the um, right the thing because that changes. we're is speaking that, to that a different generation yeah. we're speaking yeah. to different kids the yeah, only thing that i would change is i wanted it to be a daughter that was being read to mm-hmm. because i wanted her to connect a little bit more with buttercup because like the, yeah. my, my big thing yeah. with the movie is that buttercup really doesn't have that much agency I want like just like this, just like uh, Fred Savage is like, is it sports? I don't like like the kissing. What about this? What about that? And the grandpa kind of like plays with that a little bit. I'd love it if it's like mm-hmm. Buttercup needs to marry this prince, and the and the daughter goes like, why is she sick? Is she dying? Is the prince going to help? Like I want her digging into Buttercup and making Buttercup be more full of a character because that's who this little girl connects to. I agree. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, that like maybe, especially in the back half of the film, when she kind of ends up uh, sort of damsel and distressy, that you know there could be more. Like, you know, there's a whole like little subplot with this character called Yellen, who is like Humperdinck's right hand 
public facing man like count rugen his like secret guy behind the scenes but like the the leader the blonde, of his the blonde guard yeah he's, he's like redheaded but yeah you know the blonde guard um like he's a funny character that not very much gets done with him so i feel like there's maybe room in the back half of the movie to like have uh buttercup like thwarting yelling in some way and then trying to join and help out wesley and Inigo and fezzik in a more active uh manner like that there's there's room there but like overall i think the internal story the like things happening in florin is pretty hard to touch and mess with um right here let me in terms of why i kind of just wanted everybody to be women um and at the very least i want our three main leads to be women is like a i also agree with you the idea of um you know a granddaughter instead of a grandson is more interesting compelling to me but b was the issue of buttercup being sort of a non-starter character in the film becomes less of an issue if she's not the only woman who's uh big in the movie you know she kind of has to be like this is the sum total of womanhood in this film is buttercup and she doesn't get to do much but if like if buttercup is just like you know stuck in a certain scenario but there's lots of other interesting women in the movie it alleviates that uh to a certain degree and i agree the, the granddaughter character could connect more to the inigo montoya story or the wesley story if all three of them are women and if at least those three are women you can also have the idea of like you know a sweet romance that is kind of forbidden gets torn apart but they really knew where they where they weren't connected to them uh to each other in, a, in an interesting way whether or not you have Humperdinck be a woman as well, you don't have to. Um, but I agree with that as I, I agree with that as well. I I do think that it's more compelling if uh, Wesley is a woman. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it. I I just don't think it needs to be an exclusively female world. But I do like the idea of Wesley and Buttercup uh, yeah. being both women because it does make the Here's, beginning of the movie where Buttercup kind of like realizes, oh, this person's in love with me. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I'm That's in love what, with as them you too. Wish oh, yeah. That it's it's already like, this sort of like chase romance thing um, that w- it would speak to a, a group of people that doesn't get to have that story of theirs on screen that much. And it's at least something more genuinely like, oh, this might be a story we need rather than we don't need to see the Princess Bride again. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I you you guys have sold me. All right. <laughs> um, so that's that's gender casting for those three characters, the kid, Buttercup, and Wesley. So mm-hmm. let's start with Buttercup and Wesley. Who, did, who What was the name of the actress you wanted for uh, Wesley, Zach? Uh, for Wesley, I wanted uh, Zoe Kravitz. Um, she's been in a lot of stuff, but she recently had a, an amazing turn in uh, Big Little Lies. Uh, she's uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Um, she's a, a great actress. She has this like super powerful um, presence, and she's... Uh, really physically gifted she was in some of those like x-men movies and she's just this badass athletic cool girl she's just like so cool i don't know how else to phrase it uh but zoe kravitz is like the coolest person so and and she does have the like the she does have like the the stunt training to be able to do like the sword fights and everything yeah i i honestly think seeing zoe kravitz do a six minute sword fight in a movie would be the greatest thing i'd ever seen yeah i'm on board Mm -hmm. yeah i i think she could handle the action yeah Okay. And she can definitely handle the like the drama romance stuff. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Big Little Eyes or any listeners, I would highly recommend uh, checking out that um, show. I guess it was on is it either HBO or Showtime, but it was um, HBO. Yeah, HBO. Um, she's amazing in that, as is basically every actress in that. But that was when I really was like, oh man, we got to put Zoe Kravitz in more in more stuff because she's she's great. Sold. Um, so yeah, that's my Wesley bit. <laughs> what about for uh, Buttercup Tessa Thompson, who played uh, the Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok? Ooh. I dig it. That's cool. That I is can cool. See that. I just th- think she might be a little old for it. Um, 
Which, okay, well, let me rephrase Joe that. Joe Kravitz is 29. Yeah. Um, Tessa Thompson is um, 34. Eh, five years. Yeah, yeah. I um, My pitch for Buttercup is actually Elizabeth Olsen. Oh! You know what? That's so funny. Elizabeth Olsen was my first thing that I wrote down, too. Oh, no way. Because she's one of those <laughs> people who can kind of function as the damsel in distress. But push comes mm-hmm. to shove, she gets to be awesome in a lot of things. And I think she yeah. has that little bit of self-awareness because of, like, her her portrayal of who she was in Ingrid Goes West. Yeah. And I just think, like, she's someone who can yeah. actually be a badass. Yeah. That You look at her and you think damsel in distress, but actually badass. But actually badass. Yeah. Here's my thing with the Buttercup Wesley thing, and, like, maybe I'm not uh, well-versed enough in this stuff to be speaking from a place of authority. Um, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of Wesley the farmhand um, being a darker skinned character than uh the buttercup that she's serving um which was one of the reasons that i wanted the the two to the two leads to be black women um uh and so i wanted like somebody like ashley murray from riverdale i don't know if you guys have been watching riverdale but um, i have not their version of josie and the pussy cats is this uh all black uh, girl band and and it's awesome um and they're badass as hell. And uh, I think Ashley Murray has this really interesting sort of ethereal um, energy to her where she's one of those people where you're like, oh, yeah, I could get like if some like weird uh, prince and or uh, person was like, let me find the most captivating person in the land. There she is. I'm going to steal her. Like it would make sense. Um, but that she's also got some some badassery to her. So that was my pick. She has like a really cute in that sort of like you instantly fall for her kind of face too. Yeah. Yeah. That um yeah, I, I could see that. Like I, I think um that's part of the appeal of Buttercup where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you get it. Of when they say that she's the most beautiful woman in the land, you kind of see that. I could see that looking up Ashley Murray. It tracks. It tracks. <laughs> I'll go I I'll uh I'll second that. All right. I'm on board. That's fine. I'm on board. <laughs> I, I agree. It, it could be problematic to have a white buttercup and a a Wesley of color working yeah. for her as like in an, you know. Yeah, the the, opti- the optics of that are not great. Okay. All right. I I agree with that. Okay. So here's where we get to what I think is the real linchpin of the um of the casting because uh-huh. I I've always I thought I didn't think we could even do this remake until we came up with someone for Andre the Giant. Because Andre the Giant <laughs> is just so perfect. Yeah. That and part of it's just he's so big and he's this wrestler. And I think it was a there was a time when there were people like that who were wrestlers, and that just doesn't exist anymore. Like they have this new Ferdinand movie where uh John Cena's playing the bull, and I'm like, they're trying to get him to be this lovable guy, but it just doesn't work. I want to mm. hug Andre the Giant. I do not want to hug John Cena. <laughs> well, I went through a lot of Fezzik ideas um, and kind of shot them down for different reasons. But I think I landed on someone that kind of works. Okay. Um, at first, I was thinking Richard Maul, who played Bull and Night Court. Mm. But I think he's just too old at this point. Yeah. I was thinking Shaquille O'Neal. He's uh, about as tall as Andre the Giant was. But but he's Shaq, you yeah. know? <laughs> Um, I was thinking Carol Stryken, who played Lurch in the Adams Family movies, mm-hmm. um, and then the great Kali, uh, who's a wrestler um, and also does Bollywood movies. I was like, oh, but you know, like Sam said, there's nothing huggable about him. Where there is something kind of huggable about Andre the Giant, yeah. who I settled on is another wrestler, The Big Show, oh. who during the era of wrestling that I watched was kind of like 
the lovable loser kind of character. Yeah. But he kind of he kind of is not that character anymore. No, he's not anymore, but the fact that he was that for so long can pull it off. lets me know that it's a role he can play. Interesting. He can, and, um, but yeah. here's my counteroffer. Okay. Brittany Young. You may know her as Machu Picchu from the TV, from the Netflix series Glow. That's cool. That's great. I like that. Ooh. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I watch Glow. She's great. Yeah. That's a great call. Here's, How are we slowly falling into Zach's yes, idea of an all female coming cast? together? You want to hear my pitch though? <laughs> like, yeah, let's hear your pitch. So for for what I was thinking was okay. A nobody really has like the physical stature of Andre the Giant and the you know lovability adorableness. We brought up Labyrinth earlier, uh, which is a great movie, and I thought, man, what if what if. <laughs> We had Andre the Giant be a elaborate sort of Jim Henson puppet costume uh, creation. This like almost uh, almost troll-like enormous figure uh, that was piloted inside by Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. I not I okay Brianna with Tartan. that at all. <laughs> I like Brittany Young better. That's yeah. fair. I just I want <laughs> I don't want a physical person to be to be physic. I I don't. I don't think you can... I don't think you can ever match Andre the Giant, but it's not about matching in terms of physical presence. About It's about matching in energy. Yeah. And I feel like matching in energy, the way Brittany Young portrays her character in Glow... Is very, is the closest. very physic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's why I think it's important. All right. Can we have, can we have Miss Young piloting a, a Jim Henson puppet that's much larger than she no. is. No. Yeah. I think we should have... Because she has, she has to climb a rope. Yeah, but you can do that in a Jim Henson... Look at all the stuff Ludo did. Guys, watch Labyrinth again and think about I, the people who made Ludo making a, a, a Fezzik. I think if we introduce one giant Muppet into this world, I think that's a, diff, that's a different kind of fantasy. No, but I think the whole movie should take place in this sort of, you know slightly fantastical world where there's uh i don't know shrieking eels and rodents of unusual size and flame spurts coming out of the ground and lightning sand and the machine that steals away uh sucks away pieces of your life like but part of what i part of what i think makes those interesting is the fact that we're not expecting them Mm. as most of the movie we spend living in a world that's that's fairly realistic and then all of a sudden oh my god it's this fantasy element and then we get used to the realism, realism, realism. Oh my God, we're surprised by fantasy again. That's all fair. I just really miss seeing big, weird Jim Henson stuff. I will, I will, I will uh, <laughs> step aside on this one. I do think that Brittany Young is inspired casting. I would absolutely love first classic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Plus, I think part of the appeal of the Princess Bride is that it's such a human story. Uh-huh. Like, like Sam was saying. Brittany Young has a very Fezzik type character on Glow. Mm-hmm. And I think if Fezzik had been a Jim Henson creature, we wouldn't necessarily be thinking that. Yeah. But because there is such a human story to The Princess Bride that all sorts of different people can relate to, I think for the cast, we should stick with the source material and keep the cast as human as possible. That's fair. Um, well, who's the next big... Uh... Inigo Montoya. Well, let's hold off on Inigo Montoya. Okay. Let's talk Let's talk about Vizzini. Because I have an, a left field pitch for Vizzini. Uh-huh. And it's my so do first. I. <laughs> and uh, let's hear Mike's yeah, first. Yeah, let's hear Mike. I think the great thing about Vizzini is that he's such a fast talker. And I don't know if it's Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> Oh, okay. Wow. Interesting. 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 I think he's much more of a formidable opponent 
if he's a person that is just so much swagger and confidence personified, and that's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I could definitely see him Ooh. in a battle of wits. Uh, what about? What I about, could absolutely uh, see him in a battle of wits. What about you, Sam? What was your uh, sort of left field pitch? My left field pitch for Vizzini is Mandy Patinkin. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's kind of fun. Yeah, I feel like he's too warm of a person, though. Uh, he is, but. But remember, Vizzini he is warm, but he's also weird. Yeah. He's 100% a character. And I see him being very much like uh, Mandy Patinkin's character in Dead Like Me. Yeah, I can see that a bit. Yeah. Here's here's but, the thing. But his character in Dead Like Me wasn't a fast-talking yeah, swindler. Yeah, you gotta be like a fast-talking, like, no no BS. Here, here's my thing. I, 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 I stayed on this with both Inigo and Vizzini because... All right, in The Princess Bride, in the text of the book is slightly different than the text of the movie, but at least in the film, only two characters are really called out specifically as being from certain countries because the uh, the film takes place in fake countries, in Florin and Gilder, uh, the country across the sea, which aren't real places. So anybody can be anything except for a character who's called the Spaniard and a character who's called right. the Sicilian. I, I really think we should have somebody Italian playing Vicini or somebody Sicilian. Should we go with the uh, original um, choice and go Danny DeVito? I mean, that would be dope. That would be dope. Here's my pitch, though, and this will happen fairly frequently because, again, all of my first choices are women. I think Vizzini <laughs> should be played by Edie Falco from from Oz and The Sopranos. Uh, she just has that, like, sharp, interesting energy, and I just love the idea of her, like, yelling at Fezzik. Uh, I just... I think it would be cool as hell. Um, but I would definitely step aside on the idea of um, the original choice uh, for Vizzini that had to step aside to even allow Wallace Shawn to be there. Danny DeVito would be amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I do yeah. love the idea of Danny. Usually when I hear of like casting calls like, oh, originally this person was going to play the role. I'm always like, oh, I, I'm glad they went with who they went with. But Danny DeVito is one of those for Vizzini where I'm like, you know, I think I'd like to see that. So. As would Wallace Shawn. Uh, would. If, you, if you listen to the, the book. <laughs> I mean, the, if we were to go off of Zach's idea, I, I, I'm I not in love with Edie Falco. Mm. I'm also kind of not in love with Danny DeVito. Interesting. I, I feel like if we were to go kind of like Italian, how do you guys feel about Marissa Tomei? I mean, you know, I love Marissa Tomei. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about Marissa Tomei. In terms of like strong female, and she is Italian, right? Yeah, yeah, ethnically yeah. Italian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, a, ooh, maybe like an Isabella Rossellini. Oh, she's too tall. Maybe too old. Um, I don't know. Who? I mean, who's a good charactery short woman? Um, I mean, Edie Falco is. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> I just I like the idea of like a you know fast talking New Yorker Italian um, kicking butt in that role. Um, I don't know for whatever reason I don't I don't know if we've quite hit it yet. Let's circle back around yeah, to let's Vizzini. Put, let's put Danny Talks. DeVito top of the heap, and we can maybe circle back around to to Vizzini. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm on board for that. That's fair. Let's 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 talk about Inigo Montoya. Now my pitch is a little bit on the nose for Inigo Montoya. Uh-huh. Also, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I'm going to try really hard. And he is. Miltos Yorolemu. He is uh, the guy who, in Game of Thrones, taught Arya to be a water dancer and sword person. <laughs> Here's my thing: if we're if we're doing an ideal remake, I, I think we need someone with star quality because it's such a starring role, and he's such a character actor. Um, my choice may look 
too imposing in this largely female world, but I was thinking Javier Bardem. Interesting. Interesting. Mm, that is interesting. Here's the thing. Inigo Montoya saw his father killed in a duel when he was 11 years old, and 20 years later uh, is when he finally catches up with uh, Count Rugen. So Inigo should be around 31. I'm just saying. Um, I feel like both of y'all brought old men to the party. I feel like both of y'all brought real old men to the party. I was specifically thinking about that when I did this casting. Uh-huh. And part of the reason why I think it's interesting is having, I, I think it's even more of an insult if it if the six-fingered man kills his father and sees this other guy who's like, a, a, like equivalent, like same age and still doesn't see him as enough of a threat to kill him. Like he's yeah. still this weak man. Interesting, but like, like if, he could. I just feel like if you have a man in like his sixties, then by definition, the six fingered man is going to have to be in like his eighties. You know, like I see them as being the same age. Why would he be the same age as a six fingered man? He was eleven when his father died. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm saying he like. Let's say his father was was forty five and he was twenty five. I'm seeing like he's Inigo's age, not the father's age. Okay, I see. The father was like the old craftsman made the made the sword, and like some young snotty dude wouldn't pay him for it and killed him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like he like he was a spoiled little brat, yeah. and then his father gets killed. He's not a threat, and he's like, oh my god, I've been wasting my life, and he devotes his life to learning swordcraft in order to be able to avenge his father. I'm, I'm, I I get where you're coming from. I just think fundamentally Inigo's story only makes sense if he was a child when his father was killed. Uh, which is why I wanted to have somebody younger for the part. Again, I've been casting only women. Uh, so I wanted A, somebody younger, and B, um, somebody who was actually ethnically Spanish. Yeah. Diego Luna. Diego Luna would be dope. Diego Luna would be dope. Uh, I'll leave that on the side. For now, yes. Yeah, he has that kind of cool yeah. look about him already. Yeah. And it would be dope. Uh, yeah, I, I could see him as a swashbuckler. It would be real good. Um, Ooh, yeah. I could to really f- see him as a swashbuckler. My female yeah. choice is Elena Anaya. Uh, she is a badass. She was in The Skin I Live In, and she was recently in Wonder Woman as Dr. Poison. Uh, so she already has a good working oh, relationship yeah. with mm-hmm. our uh, director, Patty Jenkins. Um, and she's like an interesting, intense uh performer and she's very very spanish so that's uh that's what i put on there but yeah i would also i'd be down with diego luna i mean it's a good last name on that on that man i tell you what i think elena anaya is a really cool pull i think diego luna is better for this part i think elena anaya is an interesting six-figured man or woman in this ooh, case oh that's fun oh yeah yeah hell yeah. yeah yeah okay all right um way to go sam yeah it's in contrast to my casting for the six-fingered uh man which was stephanie beatriz oh that's good uh yeah. who is Ooh, that's good too so those those two are good i had uh for six-fingered man <laughs> i had carrie ann moss as my six-fingered uh man i guess uh because she's really- I, I do like elena uh anaya more for the for villain that. I, yeah i, I think, think that would that's be really yeah for count, really cool. countess rugen countess rugen yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, great. I'm let's just do that. All right, good. Who else? Who else do we need in this okay. movie? Uh, have we done a um, Let's circle back around. Let me let's uh, let's swing past Inigo Montoya Island and let me throw out um, <laughs> two more names <laughs> as we both pass uh, on the way to uh, Prince Humperdinck Island. Uh, Leah De- Leah Delaria, who plays Big Boo in Orange Is the New Black, she has that kind of Brooklyn-y Ooh. kind of. Uh, oh yeah. She plays yeah. for for, for Vizzini. Leah Delaria is Vizzini. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Or Natasha Leone, who isn't Natasha Leone isn't Italian. I don't think. Is she? I don't know. Or I don't know. I think Natasha Leone would be great. She'd be real intense, and she'd be great at like ordering people around and insulting them, and just being you know 
Yeah. A live wire. That's fun. I really like my Natasha Leone idea on that. I also like the Leah Delaria. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it makes, um, I mean, I know that our central story is kind of a lesbian love story, but we, by having a very lesbian Vizzini, I, I, I think that's kind of cool too, cool. you know? Yeah, big boot. I'm leaning more towards Leah Delaria. I think Leah Delaria is really clever. I think they're both great. Uh, I believe she's also a stand-up comedian as well, too. Yeah. So you know how I support my community. Let's support and lift that community. I'm down with Leah Delaria. That sounds awesome. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Prince Humperdinck. Oh, Prince. Which I have a feeling Zach is going to get his way, and it's going to be <laughs> Princess Humperdinck. <laughs> well, Diego, it, I don't know. Must be an It's going to be great. <laughs> I don't think it has to be. I think that's part of what makes it yeah. interesting. Like, it, like I think it's interesting if the prince is something. Is someone that. Whoever our actress who's playing Buttercup, I don't remember her name, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to have uh, is, uh, oh, Ashley Murray. Ashley, Ashley Murray. Murray. Yeah. Thank uh-huh. you. Ashley Murray would – I think it's interesting if it's someone Ashley Murray would have been interested in before she met Wesley. Yeah. Like this is someone like I would have been interested in, but then I realized that I'm actually not into dudes yeah. and into ladies. I, I think it works either way, honestly. Like I can, I can go either way on this one because like I think if you have a like a male humperdink, there's sort of the like traditional calcified seat of like – patriarchal male power just like taking what it wants from the populace uh which is certainly going to be valid in our you know badass lesbian love story uh but i also think it would be cool to have a cool lady up there so either one's good um what who would you put throw out there as a humperdink adam scott the only thing i had was ray fines oh i like adam scott more (laughs) (laughs) adam scott would be pretty excellent that's funny um on the uh party down train uh i actually wanted <laughs> jane lynch to be my princess <laughs> that's funny the thing is, the, i like jane lynch but i is she too old maybe but like that kind of works as like you know like the older like uh seat of institutional power being like oh look at these young things out there let me get one um plus i like this idea too of the princess bride has always had a weird title uh let's just be honest it's kind of a an awkward sounding title which exists because william goldman asked his two daughters what they would want him to write a story about and one said write a story about a princess the other said write a story about a bride he's like great i'll make a uh, a story called the princess bride adorable, adorable right still kind of still a little weird sounding however however if i mean all of the events of the dangerous stuff happen basically because uh humperdinck wants buttercup for his or herself if humperdinck is princess humperdinck then quite literally buttercup would become the princess bride because the princess wants her for the bride i don't know i thought it was clever early this morning <laughs> she's she's marrying a prince zach either way she's a princess bride yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> this is my argument for adam scott i th- yes adam scott rules but i think going to our story core of hey you know what it's okay to go against convention to be who you are mm-hmm. to have prince umperdink still be a man makes that story hit home even more i think i buy that i think yeah you I'm know screw this status quo be who you are like you know you don't have to follow a traditional route i also think it makes his turn as a villain it can, it doesn't have to happen immediately because it's adam scott oh we love adam scott it's great oh she should marry him that's awesome he wanted to what and we all know that adam scott is just as good at playing like the uh charming on the face to the people type of characters as he is at playing like just an absolute douchebag so, right because um, we've all yeah. been watching the good place we have all been watching the good place it's the best show on television it 100 um, yeah, percent is that's right it's really good okay all right, miracle cool. max and valerie 
All right, uh, Miracle Max and Valerie, guys. Take what it away, Mike. I've been trying to pitch these two as a couple <laughs> in uh, so many p- episodes of the podcast, so I'm going to do it one more time. <laughs> Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I had a little a little overlap there. Uh, what about you, Sam? What do you think? I said Charlie Day and Caitlin Olsen. Oh, oh, that's fun. Oh, Caitlin Olsen. I love her. Oh, that's really fun. Um here will ferrell and caitlin olsen i i want of course miracle maxine uh i wanted it to be sarah silverman um in a bunch of old person makeup being a weird crazy jewish miracle maxine and uh for valerie i put maya rudolph that works let's get let's take another extra step and let's flip it and let's have it be let's have it be miracle max and i'd love it if it like kind of like the nagging wife is a nagging husband and that would be husband. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. take that convention and completely flip it. I love Sarah Silverman as as Miracle Max, but uh-huh. who would be fair as kind of like the nagging uh happening? Ooh, happening, happening, happening. Jim Jim Rash. Yes, done. Dean Dalton from Community. Yep. Oh, I like it. Yep. Oh yep. man, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm liking this movie, you guys. I'm really liking what we've built here. It should never um, be made. It should never be made. But I would watch the hell out of it. Um, yeah, Sarah okay. Silverman and Jim so, Rash is perfect. That's really fun. That's um, a, that's great. I really <laughs> like that a lot. All right, there are two other random parts that I thought of, unless I'm missing someone. Okay, I have a quick Jim Rash story that I wanted to share. Please, real quickly. Um, please tell it. Allison and I went to the red carpet uh, premiere of the movie Tammy, and yeah. um, afterwards we walked out of the Chinese theater. Um, just through the entrance for some you know, like there was nothing stopping us from doing yeah. it. And Jim Rash was just kind of standing there, you know, and I was just got done watching the first season of the writer's room. And I was like, Oh, Hey man, um, I just wanted to let you know, I just watched the first season of that. It was really good. Uh, any plans to do a second season? And we just started small talking Aww. and then security ran up to us because <laughs> apparently we were still on the red carpet. Oh, and, no. um, <laughs> People are taking pictures while Jim Rash and I are just having a small talk about, uh, you know. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. This is yeah. Now here's my Jim Rash story. Okay, yeah. So we all have a mutual friend named Diane. That's very true. Yes. And Diane has a wonderful apartment complex, and they're all very, like, friendly, and they hang out. And it's this cool apartment, like, kind of on the edge of West Hollywood and Hollywood. It's such a great location, yeah. Such a great apartment, too. Also, yes. Mm-hmm. She invited me over to, like, it was like a, a Memorial Day barbecue or something they were doing. And um, mm-hmm. I'm getting food in line. I'm just kind of, like, standing and chatting with Diane. And two different yeah. people uh, walk up. One of them is uh, Colorado College, where Zach and I both went alum, uh, Neil Bear. Oh, Neil, Neil Bear. Bear yeah. Who I'm just like, oh, yeah. hello. And I'm chatting yeah. and talking with him. And then also getting food at the table is just Jim Rash. Awesome. Who just awesome. happens to be at this party awesome. at Diane's apartment complex, which is the coolest thing in the world, and it was neat. Was this a, this the past Memorial Day? I, it was. I think it, 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 I, I don't know if it was Memorial Day or something or like something else, but it was within the past year. Ah, so it was something I was probably invited to and didn't go. Yeah, oh. probably. Oh no! All right, here's my Jim Rash story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this Jim Rash story. Okay, so I was uh, there was a Marvel movie of some kind with Spider Man in it, probably Civil War, probably, Civil War. probably Captain America Civil War, and at the ArcLight, uh, 
I went on opening night uh, dressed up as Spider-Man because it was the first uh, spy- movie that was going to have Spider-Man in the MCU. And one of my gigs that I do in town is I do appearances dressed as Spider-Man. So I did one there and they, um, for the first time ever, because I'd done uh, events with Arclight before, they said that uh, for security reasons, people could not wear masks inside. So I showed up as Spider-Man and they told me I had to go to the bathroom and remove my mask or they would not let me back inside. So I went to the bathroom and very dejectedly, very sadly, took off my Spider-Man mask and when I got my vision properly there, once I took the mask off my face, next to me, drying his hands, was Jim Rash. And he was just like, it's a good look. And he walked away. And that's, <laughs> the, that's the whole story. Um, so we have some little bonus, like small parts, right, left here. I mean, we've hit all the heavy hitters. The albino, I really like the idea of Victor Vernado. He's another stand-up comedian. He plays the albino in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He's an interesting character actor. And a very naturally funny guy. He's a big New York comedian. And also the only albino I could come up with. (laughs) He is also a person of color and an albino. In End of Days, he plays just a really creepy looking um, character. He's um, legally blind, too. Yeah. And um, just a great, great guy. And, um, you know, just like Sam occasionally likes to you know, throw out suggestions from people he knows. Uh, <laughs> I am throwing out one of a person I know. Excellent. So I, I think Victor Vernado would be great. That, I'm leaning good. towards that more than mine. My idea for the albino was Bill Bailey. Oh, Bill Bailey. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a okay. British comedian and, and, and he's a British comedian and, and musician. And I yeah. thought like the, the, the way the albino character was portrayed in the movie, that energy felt very similar to Bill Bailey's energy. Uh, and I thought that like it would it would have been an easy kind of conversion process to make Bill Bailey that character because he already kind of is that sort of guy. Yeah, the sort of dry, snarky stuff. Okay. I can see. It. I mean, you want to take work away from albinos? Then go ahead. That no, no, that was my <laughs> idea. I think Victor Bernardo is perfect. Yeah, but uh, it just wanted that, to say that mine. had been my idea. That's fair. Yeah, mine, I just wanted to show my work. That's like, yeah, show your work. Mine was uh, Ad Bryant from <laughs> SNL. Um, uh, Ad Bryant, the. Uh, you know, the cast member currently oh, yeah. on Saturday Night Live, she's a very, very funny lady and uh, bears somewhat of a, of a facial resemblance to the uh, the albino in the film. But yeah, let's go with Victor. Ooh. That's that's great. Yeah. I mean, she'd be good though, right? Okay. She'd be good. Just, she would yeah. be. Yeah. She would be. Do you guys still like the idea of Morgan Freeman as a grandpa or do you want it to be a grandmother? I mean, I want... I mean, Zach wants it to be a grandmother. I want Carol Kane. Uh, I really... I, I do like the idea of because we have two black leads it being bookended mm-hmm. with a black grand i like the idea i think there's something more tender about a black grandpa mm-hmm. telling his granddaughter yeah it's okay to be who you are here is a story about that um yeah i know that's very traditional for me yeah you know but I, I think traditionally speaking, you know, it, and I can't say. And you'd rather do Morgan Freeman over someone like Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, I think there's something just Morgan Freeman. You can't beat Morgan Freeman's voice. It's a real good voice. Yeah. Uh, it is a very good voice. When you need something narrated, <laughs> you go Morgan Freeman. Yeah. If you can't afford Morgan Freeman, get Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> I guess. That's good. That's good. Yeah. My two women were Carol Kane and uh, Denise Burse, who was the um, the older Gugu Mbatha-Ra in um, the Black Mirror episode, uh, San Junipero, um, the older black lady in that. Um, she had a real cool mm. presence. Um, but yeah, I think I like the idea of the um, that sort of warm, loving, uh, you know, grandfatherly energy uh, in 
in reading the story to the child. Yeah, I would I would be down with Morgan Freeman. That's fine. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah. I'm good with Morgan Freeman too. All right, let's lock in Morgan. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's get him on the books. And who was the uh, the the daughter that had been recommended? The the girl from uh, Wrinkle in Time. Uh, Storm Reed is the girl from A Wrinkle in Time. That's oh, Storm Reed. Great. Yeah, let's go with that. That works for me. Okay. Um, little little things here and there. Uh, I mentioned the character Yellen, who's the um, uh, what do you call it, head of security or whatever for Humperdinck uh, person. Uh, um, I the, went with the two Amy I have left are Rando Guard and Scary yeah. Old Lady. Yeah, I have Scary Old Lady, Old Priest, and Brute Squad Leader, but mostly because I want to use them as cameos for original uh, cast members. Oh, I for- forgot about the priest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Old yeah. All right. Marriage. So, Mowage. I would want Amy Poehler to be the head of security, but that, I have all all lady all lady recommendations in my list, and that was where I wanted to slide in her or Gillian Jacobs. I was, didn't know if I wanted an older or younger uh, bumbling um, head of security there. I like the idea of Amy Poehler. I, I think you know, kind of like with yeah. Christopher Guest playing Count Rugen, you have one of the <laughs> funniest improvisers not doing anything even yeah. slightly funny in the movie. I. I, I think it, it's kind of yeah. neat to have Amy Poehler. And I think she's just going to make the role so much better, yeah. too. The thing I always think about is there's a bit where, like, uh, Humperdinck brings in Yellen to, like, tell his, like, plan for the evening. And uh, Yellen kneels right by his chair and puts his hand up on the armrest. And, like, Humperdinck just looks down at it. And then Yellen, like, pulls his arm away. And then Humperdinck puts his arm back on and they continue. It's just, like, a little bit of, like funny business that's so perfectly timed where I would want a really good comedic performer even though most of the performance isn't uh, necessarily comedic. Oh, Old Priest. Um, Old Priest who says, Stephen Fry. Can I finally get Will Ferrell? <laughs> you can do Stephen Fry or Will Ferrell, that, or Will Ferrell, that's fine. I thought it should be Carrie Elwes from uh, The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. absolutely I thought sold, done. Marriage. <laughs> Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, the old lady who yells "boo" in the uh, the dream sequence—you want it to be Robin Wright? I want Wright, that to be you? Robin Wright. Yeah, hell yeah, I do. I want the uh, the ancient booer. The <laughs> ancient booer, uh, played by Marjorie Mason. I I think that's a fun Robin Wright cameo. Yeah. All right. Good. Yep. I think it's a nice little yeah, I think both of those are good ideas. We oh. have our director. Do we have our writer? Yeah, we said we can't yeah, touch so William have... Goldman. We just have to tweak yeah. some of the bookends. And he's but... still alive. William yeah, Goldman's still alive. adapt his own book again. Yeah. 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 Then, be, then yeah. in that case, I agree. If he's still alive and it's because this is something that's so important to him, then yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. My other little dumb cameo I wanted, there's a, there's a bit, there's like the leader of the Brute Squad. There's this whole scene where he says... Ho there! There's a Spaniard giving some trouble. Ho there! And, uh, you know, Inigo says, I do not budge, keep your ho there. Um, I just love the, you know, the prince gave orders, and then, like, Fezzik shows up. It's really great. It's like, you have to have a little speaking part of the brute squad leader who yells at Inigo when Inigo's drunk. I thought that should be Mandy Patinkin, because I wanted to put Mandy Patinkin. Ah, in there it is. There's Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> All right. Good. Ah. <sighs> I think we cleared the And board. it's good because then he's interacting with the, with the, yeah, okay, I love it. L- let's cast Wallace Shawn in something, but like not give him any lines and then just tell him on set, you know, Danny DeVito <laughs> is going to have that role and he actually had three lines. Wallace Shawn could be uh, the old king that dies. Like, yeah, Humperdinck's that's father. what I was just thinking. Yeah. He doesn't, uh, yeah, the old king that dies. I was just going to say we have the old king and the old queen. Oh, yeah, he doesn't actually die. And in like the, the nightmare, the old king dies. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The old king's alive and well. <laughs> she kissed me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm killing myself when I reach the honeymoon suite. Won't that be nice? He's great. Ah, uh, I love the old, yeah. the old king. Wallace Shawn, go for it. 
Yeah, well, well, Sean as the old king, and uh, we can have. As, I was going to say uh, J- Jamie Lynch. What about oh, Carol yeah, Kane? We didn't do Carol Kane for the. Oh grandma. yeah, Carol Kane. Yeah, Carol Kane. Right, right, right. Okay, good. Carol Kane. Ready for the recap? Yes, please take it away. All right, we have William Goldman's The Princess Bride, directed by Patty Jenkins, starring Ashley Murray as Princess nice. Buttercup, Zoe Kravitz as Wesley. Yes. Diego Luna as Inigo Montoya, Brittany Young as Fezzik, uh, Leah Delaria as Vizzini, <laughs> Adam Scott as Prince Humperdinck, Elena Anaya as Countess yeah. Rugen, Miracle Max, Maxine, uh, Sarah Silverman, Val, Jim Rash, <laughs> the albino Victor Barnato, Grandpa Morgan Freeman, the granddaughter Storm Reed, Yellen, Amy Poehler, the priest Carrie Elways, the old boo lady, the ancient booer, Robin Wright, brute squad leader, Mandy Patinkin, the king, Walshawn, the queen, Carol Kane. Guys. I love it. And I think we have a, we have a really nice message here about uh, inclusivity yeah. and being yourself and going against the, the status quo. I think this is a really female empowering, queer, positive Movie like if it has to be remade, if it says something important, I, I yeah. think that's the yeah. reason to remake yeah. it. If it must be remade, and we don't want it to be, but if it must be, this is the ideal remake. Boom! Cut to credits. <sighs> subscribe on iTunes. Yeah. Right. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> it really helps. Um, guys, please, 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 please. tell yeah, a friend. I love that. You tell can... ten friends. This was so fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. It was a blast. Um, Zach, tell us about stuff that you do and where we can find you. Oh, sure. Um, I'm one of the hosts of Spider-Man Minute on DuelingGenre.com. It's a, a daily podcast when we're running it where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man by Sam Raimi one minute at a time. So we've just finished up our first season of the show. We have 120 episodes of uh, discussion of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and we'll be back in the new year with Spider-Man too. Um, but I also guest occasionally on other podcasts on the Dueling Genre Network. So you can find all of that at SpiderManMinute.com or DuelingGenre.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Zachary J. Luna, like Michael J. Fox, but with Luna. And uh, that's all my plugging. Done. And if you and if you guys enjoy kind of like the way we take movies and talk about like the aspects of them, we, we kind of do it from a macro sense. The the minute by minute podcast do it from a really micro sense and and it's such an interesting format and a really good place to start is Spider Man Minute. Oh, it's it's such a good podcast. You guys should listen to it. And Sam was one of our, our our great guests on that show, so definitely check out his minutes. He got the uh, the very very popular uh, Go Web Go Go so, Web Go. Yeah, so um, check it out. <laughs> it's a great 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 guest. Listen, I'm going to invite myself for Spider-Man 2 any minute that includes Bruce Campbell. Perfect. Yeah, sounds good. Ooh. You need someone from Michigan for your um, your Michigan. Yeah, makes 100%. 100% clear on, on this end. Yeah, we will discuss scheduling. Uh, thank you again for having me, guys. This was great. I'll let you tell people where they can find me. I'm going to tell everyone that they can find you at Sam Gash. S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on the Twitters and everywhere. And um, you are uh, doing improv around town. Yeah, that's right. And Mike Bobby can be found anywhere on the internet at off the mic as his handle. That's O-F-F-T-H-E-M-I-K-E because his name is Mike. Ooh, that's good. Oh, that's a good handle. I know. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) And next time on Ideal Remake, we will have Dave Landau from Last Comic Standing and the Anthony show, formerly of Opie and Anthony, and we'll be talking Animal House. Beautiful. Yeah. That's going to be great. All right. See you guys around. Thanks for listening to Ideal Remake. Rate, review, and subscribe.